like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at the $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt Santi, and I am thrilled today that I am joined by Michael Gramling, who is the author of The Great Disconnect in Early Childhood Education What We Know Versus What We Do. Uh, folks who've listened to the podcast will have heard me talk about this book, um, and I've, I've added it to a couple of uh, book recommendation lists that people have asked me for, and it usually falls into my life-changing book list. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really glad to have you here. Michael, what would you like folks to know about you? Oh, gosh. Uh, first of all, that uh, I kind of speak from experience. Uh, mm-hmm. I worked as an early childhood teacher. Uh, for 10 years in the classroom, uh, and those kids were age two to six, uh, and uh, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, without any training or really a, a coherent way of thinking about early childhood education, uh, I had a blast. I just treated them like people, played with them, and talked to them. What a revolutionary idea! <laughs> really, right? Mm-hmm. Uh huh. And and what are you? Where are you now? Are you, um, what are you, I know you're writing grants, you said. Yes, yeah, so uh, I'm, a, I'm a consultant, as mm-hmm. embarrassing as that is to say. No. No, and, uh, but it's cool. Uh, my, my, my job for many years uh, was with Head Start, mm-hmm. uh, where I designed and provided training, also did a lot of writing uh, for uh, this uh, training organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Training and Technical Assistance Services. It's here at Western Kentucky University. Okay. Um, and that was my day job for a long time. And uh, now it's my fallback. Uh, they still hire me to do the same things, but it's on a, uh, you know, pay-as-you-go basis. Uh-huh. All so right. Well, um, so, and thank you for this book. I, it's about four years old, if I'm yes, right uh-huh. on that. It seems like about four years old. Um yes. 
uh, I think it's one of those that goes into the category for me of books anyone who's working with children should have to uh, at least be presented with. So, um, so I think that's great. The quote that we're going to unpack today is, is this. Um, it says, a great deal of what is taught and tracked in early childhood classrooms is simply child development. Tasks that are mastered naturally in all human beings as they mature, milestones that are embedded in human DNA that will occur with or without the intervention of parents or preschools. And I think that's going to be hard for some folks to hear. Yeah. And probably has been hard for some folks to hear because if it's all going to happen naturally, what, what's my role? And how exactly. does my ego fit into this? Right. Yes. And your boss's ego too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so, um, so I guess make your case for that. Okay. For that assertion. Uh, I think that actually goes back to the day I decided to write the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been asked by uh, an early childhood agency uh, to write what they called school readiness goals. Right. Uh-huh. And uh, they were a, an early Head Start program, which means they're serving children birth to three. I said, oh, yeah, let me add it. And I just talked about the uh, explosive development of children birth to three, the way they just, just like time-lapse photography, right? The way they just mm-hmm. arise. <laughs> yes, yes. It's my favorite age. <laughs> it's something, it is so miraculous. And yes. So, so I wrote about that. Uh-huh. And they submitted it and they got back to me and said, nah. <laughs> I said, really? They said, yeah, what? And they said, well, we want something more specific. I said, okay, so would you like me to unpack that a little bit more, break it down into uh, developmental areas, right? You want me to talk about it that way? Uh-huh. Said, no, more specific. I said, more specific. They said, yeah, like, you know, concrete and observable and discreet and I said, oh, yes. oh, do you want me to write something that says the child will roll over? And they said, yes. <laughs> right? It sounds so ridiculous. And yeah. so I said, okay, I can do that. And so this is what I wrote back to them. I said, well, the child will roll over, uh, whether or not you ever write it on a lesson plan, whether or not you assess it, or whether or not the child is ever enrolled in an early childhood program. And that's what I sent them. <laughs> I uh, looked up and I had some friends visiting and I said, I have to write a book. Um, mm. and, and so, but that's a long way of answering the, you know, what, what does that quote mean? Well, uh-huh. it, it means just that, but it's so easy to see in the child, maybe even birth up to three, that what they're doing is purely developmental. It happens if you don't enroll them in a program or not. Mm-hmm. They sit up, they crawl, they do all these things. and we think. Wouldn't it be ridiculous if you tried to hurry that up with a lesson plan, right? Right. And my favorite example is the child who doesn't have his first tooth yet. <laughs> do, we, do we look ahead six months and say, well, in six months, he'll be in the one-year-old classroom and he'll have solid food. I guess we better teach him to eat now, chew solid food before yeah. he gets But it is that, is that sort of, that takes it to its most absurd, uh, I guess, uh, iteration. but. It actually doesn't stop, unfortunately, zero to three. It continues. And in some ways, it's comical. It doesn't (laughs) harm, I suppose, to go into an early Head Start program or infant Uh program and see them working on 
helping the kid literally roll over, right? Yes. Okay, no harm done. The, the, what's going wrong though with early childhood education and the sort of the essence of the great disconnect is that, yeah, you can see that happening physically and you see how quickly they're changing mm -hmm. with or without intervention. But what we don't seem to really believe, even though we give it lip service, is that their language and their critical thinking is the same thing is happening. That progression mm -hmm. from uh, looking around, at, looking, you know, laying on my back going, where am I, to running across the room is mm -hmm. happening in the brain as well, acquiring language. And yeah. because uh, that's not quite as easy to see and much more difficult to measure, by the way, especially the quality of a child's language, uh, we suddenly lost faith in, in uh, basic child development and said, I guess we have to teach it to them. Yeah. And, and we, we, then we have to measure it. So it has to be, it has to be something that you can see. So it has to be letters and um, numbers and they can answer quiz questions about shapes. Yes. Yes. We can yes. measure that more easily than we can measure their problem solving or their curiosity and initiative. We think like, of course you can yes. see those things. Exactly. And I think that's what, what we've seen in public education, not so much in my book, which I call rich kid preschool, right? If you, if you go to Montessori or Waldorf or Reggio somewhere, that's not how you're going to spend your time. Uh -huh. But we really, really do believe that we have to incrementally measure language development, uh, which can't be done. I don't, think, I don't think there is a tool that measures the quality of language. Yeah. Well, I think they try. <laughs> Try, they try they best. sure try yeah mm -hmm. so um th this this whole idea and of of looking forward and your your teething baby example is is so mm -hmm. good for this that mm -hmm. because it's going to happen down the road we should start expecting it now and mm -hmm. so if if we can do things now that look like the school they're going to go to in four years or three years or whatever we're giving them such a great start right it's such a hard uh it's so deeply embedded yes in early childhood culture that um any sort of challenge to it is taken personally i think sometimes um instead of just being well let's just talk about the the reality of how yes. children attain yes. attain those skills that we're talking about mm -hmm. um i just had a uh a conversation with a woman who wanted to uh, oh no she had been observing in a preschool and it was three and four year olds and they were implementing the handwriting without tears curriculum because their school district had just adopted that as their curriculum right. and so they wanted to make sure the kids were ready to fit into that system mm -hmm. and, and and i kept saying well what are you seeing that makes you think that child's ready to start writing letters right um, or what did you see in the preschool that, that made you think that that was appropriate? And she said, well, they just know that's what the school's doing. Right. And it, it was so foreign to her to think that that could be questioned or challenged. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, what I've seen um, is that uh, I'm not alone when I started teaching and doing it by the seat of my pants and trusting what was going on mm -hmm. and having a good time. Uh, <laughs> right and trusting that children develop the way that they do the way mm -hmm. they acquire language by hearing it used mm -hmm. and it's not so much that they're learning 
about what we say when we are a language model, but how we say it. Mm -hmm. Language is just thinking out loud. So how do you learn to think? You listen to growing up sink, or all the children think. That's how you learn to think. And we think it's by like asking them this series of questions, which is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Quizzing that them said, as they. If I if I preach this, which I do, really, mm -hmm. what my job is is I am fifty percent itinerant preacher and fifty percent stand up comic. That's pretty <laughs> much what I do. And I can address a group of teachers, and it's so interesting the reaction I get. Yes, it's that very negative one. I would say maybe 25%. Uh -huh. Arms folded going, oh my God, you know, and that whole thing about I have to get them ready. I have to get them ready. And mm -hmm. also what is my own paradigm about what is a teacher? Mm -hmm. what Absolutely. Am I doing here? You raised earlier, right? What am I even doing here? But then I'd say there's a good third of them that say, oh my God, we've been waiting for someone to say this our whole life. Right, that they, they have that sort of intrinsic, and what they feel, it doesn't come from an internal belief system, this get them ready for kindergarten by doing kindergarten at age two. Uh -huh. Instead, they feel that enormous pressure from the various systems in which they work. Sure. Uh, right? Yeah. So my job then becomes to convince them that it's not an either or. That you can still have what I call in my book, the human classroom, uh -huh. and still be... Uh, exposing them to letters, exposing them to numbers, and by observation and in uh, natural settings, uh -huh. assess how much of it they're getting and what they know. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really doesn't have to be one or the other. Yeah. And, and people who like, you know, do Montessori and do these other ways of looking at children understand that completely. Um, it's a hard sell though. I think so. Yeah. And it's, I'm, I just, it made me so happy to hear that um, you describing the people in your session or that you're speaking to who um, are excited to hear it. And I, I do think that that makes sense for me. When I first started working, um, I got a job in a child care center because um, I had, I liked kids, you know, that old reason. Right, um, right. I, I didn't know that it was something you could study or something that you, yeah. you know, major in. I was very much like you. I just, was really enjoying spending my days with two-year-olds and um, sort of when I did start to find things to read or to study, it was sort of validating my instincts Yes, that, mm -hmm. that this is okay to mm -hmm. trust them and to be there with them and mm -hmm. support it. But I didn't need to, to make it look like school for yes. good things to be happening for them. Yes. Yes. Um, so I'm really, I'm sort of grateful that I went at it backwards and didn't yeah. start with a degree and then go in. Myself. Yes. Yes. I think that's, we, uh, we would hire teachers when I worked at uh, university Head Start, and it wasn't the uh, people majoring in education that had fun and were really any good at it. It was the art majors and the music majors <laughs> and the rec majors, right? Uh -huh. The have fun yeah. majors got yeah. in there and, uh, uh, contribute so much more. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, then that rote kind of learning that they've been trained to yeah. hone in on. Yeah. Yeah. So can I um can I ask you about so I, I just I get school readiness questions from families all the time, of course. And right. now I work with um usually I mean I've mostly when I do direct care, it's been infants and toddlers and now I'm mm -hmm. three to five year olds. Um 
And so we get school readiness questions and we're getting ready to do end of semester conferences with families. And I know those mm -hmm. will come up again. And I try to talk sometimes about ready schools. Um, mm, yeah. and, and I, you know, that's sort of a buzzword. So I, what, yeah. what are your thoughts about ready schools being part of the conversation? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I wish there were some, uh, <laughs> okay. uh, you know, I think, um, that the schools are going to be what they are mm -hmm. that is so entrenched and there's not that there's not some progressive systems mm -hmm. but as you see it everywhere it's very very entrenched the uh assembly line mm -hmm. notion of uh, education uh very difficult to overcome that uh so the, i think more the question is as 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 if we do what we know kids need are they going to be able to thrive in that very different environment mm -hmm. it is more the conversation I have right yeah. than are the school is going to change very quickly, especially yeah. in time for your kid. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause it's next Probably fall. <laughs> not. Um, so uh, I just, I just talk about um, a lot about literacy and how uh, language development is the prerequisite and how proficiency in communication is a really good predictor of proficiency in reading and writing. Um, so I think that's an important thing to talk to them about, uh, that we are definitely working on communication skills. And you, my friends, my, my parents, uh, are working on it every day, whether you want to or mean to. <laughs> and and that that is our, our, our as far as, you know, intellectual preparation, language is what we're doing. Um, and I think they can get that. They worry also a lot about this sort of social emotional approach we take that is supportive and individualized. Um, how is that gonna fly when the child gets to school? Mm -hmm. And that's what you hear if you try to talk to a teacher about changing the way she's running her classroom and individualizing a lot more, they'll rightly say, well, that's not gonna happen to them in kindergarten. It goes back sure. to that argument. I do kindergarten now, or as I often say, we'll make them miserable now so they'll be used to it. Yeah, um, yeah I was hoping we could get around to that too, because that's such a real life quote. Yes, um, yes. But I'd um, love to hear you talk about it a little more. So, okay, just real quickly, I think that um, my experience with my own self, my own kids, and kids that have left my classrooms, it's just they're extremely resilient. Mm and that they instinctively know that rules are different everywhere they go right mm -hmm. so uh grandma treats you differently than mom does if you're in a split custody situation dad's rules are different than mom's settings matter you can you know the child can sit in front of the tv in her underwear on saturday <laughs> in church she puts uh, her best stuff on and she sits quiet and shuts up right uh -huh. they respond and you don't have to spell it out to them although we often do uh -huh. they get it yeah. they take a look around them they take it all in and they adjust their behavior accordingly uh -huh. so like the things people worry about that they won't be able to do like um, uh, wait in line right well first of all they've been to mcdonald's okay <laughs> they've been to kroger's so um it's not a new concept right that's More a great analogy like to say rocket science <laughs> if you had never seen a line before in your life and the teacher said to get in line it would take you about all of five seconds to go oh she means go stand over there okay okay 
Yeah. Right? So it's not these incredibly foreign behaviors. Do I have to sit down and listen? Yeah, well, that's not the only time in your life you've had to sit down and listen. Right? <laughs> the thing is, if you have the maturity, right, if it's kicked in that you can sit and listen, mm -hmm. then you'll do it easily. Yeah. If it hasn't kicked in yet for you to be able to do that, this is the developmental part, you may succeed, but you will find it more difficult. Yeah. You may get called down a few times before you're able to uh, make that adjustment, but th they do make that adjustment. Yeah, and I, th I think some of the things that we do when we're trying to make things schoolish earlier, mm -hmm. like requiring them to sit still or to stand in lines or mm -hmm. to walk, not run from here to there. Yeah we sort of force them to develop bad habits that then make it more difficult. You know, we ask them to do it before they're ready. Right. And it's hard for them. So it becomes this negative experience for so many of them where if we just yes. uh, gave them what they needed at the time that they're with us, they wouldn't have all those negative experiences when they are required. Isn't that something? Yeah, I can't use you in Yes, I think you nailed that. Absolutely. Uh, I think about... What Head Start, for example, used to talk about a long time ago, a lot more than they do now, is uh -huh. that, that preschool should be an experience that builds expectations of success. Uh -huh. But what you just talked about was we build expectations of failure. Yeah, for so yes. many, I think. Yes, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, that's... And with good intentions, I think, yes. but it just goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, well... Let's see if there was any, I'm looking at my notes so quick to make okay. sure I, I get a chance to ask you about all the things I wanted to ask you about. And I think that I have, um, I, uh, I just, I, one of my notes that I just wrote was rich kid preschool. So I just want to thank you for giving me that, that phrase and that distinction. That's one of those things that, you know, I just needed the words for to describe what I was thinking because it is so different. Children have different opportunities and the ones who maybe need that, uh, the richer experience aren't the ones that get it. Yes. Yeah, no. Yes. Uh, you know, the other thing, and this is sort of off topic, but it, it, on topic of your book that I took away from this. So I used to be a center director and I used to get so upset with my staff yeah. if they would like just chit chat with each other instead of right. being focused on the children. Uh -huh. And in the book, I think it's when you're maybe talking about the word gap. Yeah. Um, and you're, you're talking about, you're giving an example of a child who's maybe sitting on the couch and the parents are just having a conversation in the background Yes. and making the connection that that's really kind of the rich language exposure that they benefit from yes. and they hear words and vocabulary differently in that way. And I thought, well, maybe I need to lighten up on my teachers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. If you think about children learning language by listening, well, how do adults around other adults use communication. Mm -hmm. Well, they talk about their feelings and their ideas, sure. But they also, they're always telling their story. Mm -hmm. How's your kids? How's your mom? What'd you yeah. do last night, right? Yeah. And that ability to use language comes from listening to adults do that. Uh -huh. But we're always trying to like extract it from them somehow. Sure, and make it's something that we do to them. Yes. Instead of yes. something that happens around them, I think, yes, sometimes. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I like the idea to lighten up on them. You know, I say, <laughs> talk to each other about how you feel and things that you do. Mm -hmm. Probably don't talk about your marital problems or your... You know, <laughs> sure, with some parameters. <laughs> right, yes. 
but child professionals, right? You, yes, can, yeah. you can put on your filter. Just assume that they're always listening. Uh-huh. Right? That's yeah. what parents don't do. Parents always think they're not listening. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, and then right. we get all the stories when they yeah, come right. to us, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, are there any last last thoughts that you would, would, would like to share or things you hope to be able to say that I didn't get you around to saying? No, this has been really, really fun. Okay. You know, I, I wrote, you know, that stuff and I go around preaching it. But to be able to sort of say it concisely like uh-huh. this, uh, I've really enjoyed doing that. It's always good for me to clarify why I even got into this. And, <laughs> so, yeah. Well, great. I really have appreciated having you on. And again, thank you for the book. It's one that I... Um, uh, have read more than once. And I actually last year bought a new copy because the highlighting was taking over and I wanted to clarify and start over. So I think I I saw that six cents I got for that. Thank you. That was from me. That six cents. Yep. You're welcome. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks again for joining me today. Thanks everybody for listening. And I hope you'll come back again for another episode. Bye. So long. That's the show. Now go get your nerd on. has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.